Okay, if everybody's if everybody's poised and ready, uh, we'll jump into it. Um, I am poised. Poised. I'm, I'm ready. Poised. I'm the ready <laughs> That's what we like about you, Neil. <laughs> and we're here with Neil Modi, Managing Director of Zoic Capital, and Chris Heidel, Co-Founder and Managing Director at Heidel Beal & Associates. Fellas, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks for having us today, Sean. I'm very excited to be here, Sean. Thank you for having us. So this is this is a little bit different in a, in a couple of ways. Uh, one, I don't usually do um, you know two two other guests at a time, so this is exciting to me. It's a lot of action. And and secondly, you guys are are a little bit of a deviation from the classic guests that I have. But I am interested in all the different aspects of performance. And um, certainly, high-level decision-making, high-stakes decision-making, mastery of systems are things that you guys do day in and day out. And so, um, if let's just start with um, let's start with you, Neil, to kind of explain um, what it is that you do and uh, what a typical day is like for you. Okay, so um, Zoic Capital is a early-stage medtech investor. What does that mean? We invest in medical devices, um, and I'll give you an example. This will be even easier if I give an example. We met a company that had licensed a lens that had been developed by Caltech for NASA to be able to see debris in space, and it was one of the best lenses ever developed. And so they licensed it out for healthcare usage. They built an artificial intelligence um, algorithm on top of it, and then they were able to detect Alzheimer's 15 years in advance and uh, with 95% accuracy. And in a third of the people, that meant that they could avoid uh, having Alzheimer's altogether. Um, the FDA pathway to get approved was less than six months. Uh, so that's the kind of device that we like to invest in at Zoic Capital. That company, by the way, is called Optina Diagnostics. Um, and so it's my job to uh, run a team that looks for deals um, that look similar to this and to help those companies along by helping them build out their intellectual property and um, by getting returns from my investors, kind of in a nutshell, if that works. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, thank you for giving us that example because that, that, does, that does bring into focus a little bit uh, what, what it means in the, in the real world. Um, Chris, Chris, how about, how about you? Just tell us a little bit about um, what you do and, and what a typical day is like for you. Yeah, thanks. I um, am the chief investment officer and co-founder of a registered investment advisory firm in Pasadena. And my day is varied. I spend a lot of time uh, doing investment research. And I think a lot uh, about companies that uh, and investment ideas that are in my wheelhouse. So uh, to give you a quick example of my thinking, uh, something sticks with me. I'm not a baseball player, but long ago, I read uh, Warren Buffett. And in Buffett's speech, he talked about Ted Williams, the great hitter. Uh, and Ted breaks down the strike zone into uh, 77 baseball-sized uh, uh, quadrants. And in his book, The Science of Hitting, he talks about only swinging for those cells in which he has mastery and the greatest percentage of hits, even willing to take a strike and miss opportunities that don't fit into his best zone. So I have a, a specialty and a, a love for value-oriented investing, but it's one style. So part of my day is researching things that I find uh, to be undervalued and trying to learn as much as I possibly can. Uh, about those companies, about the people running them, very importantly, and everything that can be known about them. Um, but I also recognize 
that there are many ways to make money. And I also look to uh, learn about other managers, other styles, and find other portfolios run by other experts. And in my, of course, journey, I've met Neil <laughs> in the venture capital world and have been impressed with his process. So I spend time studying both individual investments and then other investment processes uh, and learning from both. Uh, and then, of course, I have time to meet uh, and help individual clients, business owners uh, to develop financial plans. And I have a team that helps me with that. So some of my duties are supervisory and some of them are personal interactions with clients. So the days vary, but I spend a lot of time doing that research and a lot of time reading. That Ted Williams example is I'm still 72 like, strike zones. I've never heard that before. Processing that. 77. 77, sorry. Mm -hmm. And he and he's willing to take a strike and not swing at a pitch if he thinks it's not in his in his highest performing quadrants. Correct. Oh, Correct. That's so cool. And he, of course, is the only major league baseball player to have a four hundred uh, average yeah. during a full baseball season. So <sighs> That's pretty wow. remarkable hitter. It's, uh, it's an incredible discipline because, you know, we're bombarded every day with all kinds of news. Um, and I'm sure that's true of you, Neil. You see this device uh, was <laughs> yes. bought by company and you think, oh, that's something I missed. But if it wasn't really in your zone, it's something you can train yourself to watch with some uh, distance and some amusement. This may sound strange, <laughs> but I don't really worry about missing an investment. Like we, you know, it, it's, right. it's against okay. our process to invest in something before we've followed it for nine months. And so mm -hmm. something's really mm -hmm. great. That's invented by Sean, who I love, who's hosting this podcast today um, is in six months and it fits our thesis in every way. I, I'm just okay missing it. <laughs> like it's, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I don't really yeah. feel like I'm missing. Yeah. There's plenty of opportunity in the world. That's right. So cool. So cool. Uh, so for a little bit of context for the listeners, uh, I, I know both of you guys, Chris, we've never met in person, um, but I've, mm -hmm. but I've, you know, we've, we've spoken a, a number of times. Um, Neil, you and I are, got, are, are good friends. You, the two of you are collaborators and friends, and you guys also host, uh, co-host a, a really cool podcast called Market Meditations. And for, for those of you listening that are interested in um, learning about investing, um, adding insight into how you think about investing, the guests that they get and the topics of conversation, you already know that they're fun and that they that uh, are humorous. Uh, you should go check that out because – um, your guys's rapport is great, and I've, I've really enjoyed listening to your guys's episodes. Um, I'm funnier in person. <laughs> Are you? So, you you just open yourself wide up. Yeah, in every way, Neil. In every way. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, you know, obviously this is this is a deviation from you know from the hardcore biohacking stuff that, that I usually do. But but what I what I why I'm interested in pursuing a conversation like this is because I'm a huge fan of a sports psychologist and um, and, and podcast host named Mike Gervais. Michael Gervais is the uh, sports psychologist for the Seahawks. He helped uh, Baumgartner do the Red Bull, you know, space dive. And, and he talks a lot about mastery and understanding how people think about, you know, doing what they do well. How can, how can you get mastery of this thing or that thing? How many different ways can you express your, your pursuit of mastery? Uh, and so, uh, on that note, I, you know, that's, that's kind of a lot of where I'd like to take these conversations. And, and I'd like to start with just a little bit of a definition. So let's start with you, Chris. Uh, what does performance mean to you? Um, performance means to me something that, uh, feels in many ways, light and effortless, um, there's a sense that all the different elements are clicking and coming together like a puzzle. I don't know. It's something I think um, you can really feel. And there's a great joy when all of the things are, all the different elements 
of a particular problem or an issue you're faced with or something you're engaged in uh, fall into place. Hmm. I like that answer. I like that answer. So it's there's a, a certain ease, a grace associated with performance in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. How about you, Neil? How, how do you how do you think about performance? <laughs> I think about it very differently than Chris. Um, I think about it as intense focus. Um, I think when I'm in mm. that intense focus, or when we as a fund are in that intense focus, um, it, it is easy and. Uh, I do think of it as intense, though. Um, gotta gotta be clear about where you'll turn left, where you'll turn right. Never deviate. Um, and um, being in performance mode a hundred percent of the time, to me, is just trying to learn as much as I possibly can. Trying to refine how fast I can go in the car, when I should switch gears, you know, when I should turn. Um, I, I, Lewis Hamilton, the I guess the about to become the most successful F1 driver already is, I guess, churns much earlier than most people. Um, he's just already in that churn. Mm. And so I think when I'm in performance mode, I'm thinking a lot more about that churn than when I'm sitting with my wife and enjoying dinner. And uh, hmm. I think about performance as something I want to be careful to uh, go into and out of. Yeah. I don't disagree with that, Neil. I do think there's a, uh, an intensity, but I distinguish between that intensity and the tension it can bring and the performance side of it when things are going well or that you feel you're in this sort of peak or flow state uh, where things come easily and you even lose, a sense, lose the sense right. of time. All the distractions kind of fall away. Um, and that, to me, is really when I feel performance is optimal. You know, with sticking with the Formula One, uh, the Lewis Hamilton sort of um, analogy idea. Yeah. yeah, what's what strikes me is, and how I connect it to, you know, what's typically, um, how I typically think of performance, and and the sort of the sort of guests that I curate for the show, and. Um, they are varied and vast and, um, and, and seemingly, you know, uh, unrelated, but, but never, never are they unrelated. It's all, it's all this big, uh, beautiful symphony of all these different things coming together. So within the, within the analogy of, of Lewis Hamilton, you know, how do you think about the different variables that, uh, that, that he goes, that go into that high level of performance in which he's making the right turn at the right time? Like, you know, for for a guy like yourself who is constantly like diving deep on in into these companies and into opportunities and, and thinking about um, um, thinking about specifically medical technology in a really in a really detailed way, how do you how do you make the connection between you know the the variables that Lewis uh, Hamilton is having to consider when he's turning versus the the variables that you have to consider when taking a look at a, at an opportunity? So I think performance probably isn't that different. Um, between, I, I think Lewis Hamilton's probably better at his performance than I am at mine because more people have heard of him than me at this moment. Um, but I, but I think ultimate performance is very similar, right? And so I think when you're being a performer, you have to also learn to take care of yourself and take care of the basics. Um, maybe to use part of the F1 analogy, you've got to make sure, you know, the tires get changed and, um, the oil gets put in and, you know, all of the other maintenance things you need to do on a car. Um, I'm still learning some of those things. I, I see Chris do a lot of those things a lot better. I mean, he, he regularly goes and does yoga in the middle of the day. You know, he starts his morning with a meditation, walks in the morning, and then also walks in the evening. So he's getting time with his dogs. Um, he also does a lift in the morning. He's also not afraid to cancel every meeting and just meditate. Um, hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've been <laughs> I've been uh, subjugated to those to those cancellations before. <laughs> um, but what I see is this kind of um, um, super blocking of anything that takes away from the resource he needs in order to to get back to performance mode. Um, so I would say, like you know getting to that level 
of mastery is just something you've got to continue to work on and focus on and figuring out where the the weak spots are. <laughs> Sean, I know I've called mm-hmm. you many a times when some parts weren't working <laughs> the way they the way I thought they would. Um, I don't know if that does that start to answer some of your question. Yeah, it does. It does. It, it, it's it 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 speaks to. A, a widening of the aperture to understand that there are lots of different things all happening at the same time. And, and even with, the, you know, explaining Chris's meditation uh, practice, like we, we have to constantly widen our aperture so that we can take in all the information that we can without overloading ourselves and then make smart decisions, make smart choices. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm curious now about your meditation practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that I know that, uh, that that it's a that it's a serious discipline for both of you, and you know, I know that you guys have done you know ten day vipassana trainings um, retreats before. Just me? Chris, I don't think wow. Chris has ever done that. I want to. Oh. I've got that one up on Chris. <laughs> oh, lati <laughs> da. <laughs> so. So what what does what does because we've done you know we've done we have done podcasts on meditation we've done podcasts mm-hmm. on different devices and the Muse and Ariel Garten and, and all these different ways to to think about meditation what what does mm-hmm. meditation bring you um, how does it add to your to your to your pursuit of mastery um, it really creates uh, a deeper sense of understanding and clarity. It's like if you squeeze oranges into a a juice glass and um, you can drink that right away. And of course it's refreshing, but if you let that glass sit for a little while, the particles, the pulp, everything will float to the bottom and you're left with this clear liquid. And I think in a a way, um, certainly the more I've practiced meditation, quicker I am able to achieve that sense of clarity. And with that clarity, I'm able to take in more information and actually process it um, in a sort of seamless way with less effort. Um, And I can also feel uh, when things aren't working or I feel confused or there's a bit of cloudiness. Um, And to help my decision making, I'll pause come back to my breathing and practice uh, the skills I've learned in meditation just to make sure that emotionally, um, physically, mentally, I'm clear. Hmm. I think everyone listening right now is hears in your voice the results of your clear thinking and your meditation <laughs> practice. Better their death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's it just it comes it comes out of you, and and I think that's why the two of you make such an interesting you know podcast duo and and probably business duo is that the sort of complementary playing off of uh, of different styles and different uh, ways of approaching um, um, both problems and opportunities. Um, but just, I mean, man, Chris, you're, you're born to be a freaking uh, podcast host, man. You're sil- silky pipes, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if I'm ever feeling down, Sean, I've got you on speed. Call dial. Ready. Call, you, you just call me and just talk to me and I'll just be, instantly become relaxed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Neil, I, th- I guess this one's a little well, bit no, more. Actually, more I want to point yeah. something out. I, actually, our yeah. processes aren't that different. Um, I noticed that uh, okay. we have we have another good friend in common that I regularly refer to on our, our podcast, Roger. Our processes are not really that different for any of us. I think part of the point is to block out distraction, get really clear, pause when there's not clarity, get more clear, pause again, and continuing this refinement of of straining out the pulp, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, let's go there. Let's go a little deeper then. Um, eventually, you're going to drink that shit. <laughs> shit. No, no. Hopefully, really great oranges. <laughs> not shits. I mean, no, definitely not shits. <laughs> no, I mean, you're eventually you're going to pick that glass up and drink it. And and for you guys, you know, eventually you're going to you're going to make a decision to deploy capital to to an end right and mm-hmm. and and 
I, I'm now I'm curious about that process of okay, you've gotten clear, you've looked at it, you've looked at it, you've gotten clear, you've you've researched, you're you're like you you you've really exhausted, you've really given your all to this to this uh, to this process of, of discovery and, and um, identification and, and whatever your uh, your sort of unique special sauce is in, in, as far as investing. But eventually, there comes this point right before when you say, "Okay, yes, now I'm going to write a gigantic check um, to because I feel confident in the decision that I make." And as I think about the people listening to this podcast um, and how they live their lives, we're, we're met with these decisions all day, every day, right? We have we have these we have these big choices with what to do with our lives and what to do with our fitness, um, what to do with our money. And so I'd love for both of you to, to talk a little bit about what that, what that moment is like when, when all of the pulp has fallen and then, then, you know, now is the right time to drink this juice at this moment. I think for me, it's probably going to be a little different. Um, some of it is I have enough pattern recognition, having seen enough deals to have a good idea of, um, what what uh, what smells like shit and what smells like orange juice, um, and then a lot of the job for me is then to go about verifying whether I'm right or wrong, to not get too excited about any feeling I have, right? Um, I can tell you one of our our one of the investments we're most excited about uh, didn't smell good to me to start with, and I didn't really let that get in the way. Um, what does it feel like when I get there? I, I feel good. You know, I, I always feel like I wish I allocated more money. Um, I, you know, I think as exits come from what I do, um, as companies mature and they, they sell and they return money to capital, I'm, I'm sorry to the investors who invested in me, then I think, you know, uh, it'll feel good, right? Uh, I'll feel a little better. But, you know, the process continues. It's not like it's... Mm. You know, I, I imagine Kobe Bryant, you know, scoring or Michael Jordan scoring, like he feels good about about scoring that shot, but he's got to go do it again. Right. And yeah. it's the process that he's excited about, not just the score. The score is just one very small aspect of 40 steps that led to him jumping in the right way, you know, weaving in the right way to be able to just, you know, actually put the ball through the hole and through the net. <laughs> Chris, how about for you? What's the, what's that what's that moment like right before you make that choice? I feel like um, it's a moment of calm. If I am too excited about uh, an idea, <laughs> the voice experience. I, Keep going. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. If I'm if I'm too excited. Um, it is a sense that I might be selling myself, mm. that um, one of my biases or there's something I'm overlooking in that excitement. Um, as I mentioned before, when things really become clear, it's almost like a picture or a, a you know, a, a 500 piece puzzle comes together, but <laughs> without the lines and the, the, the missing pieces, it all falls in place. And, um, there's a real sense of satisfaction um, that that it's come together this way. Mm -hmm. uh, you just get this sense. Um, uh, it, it's a. Uh, but Chris, you say this. I, I want to say it's a sense of satisfaction. You say that, but in the process. but but it's only when it proves out that you actually seem happy when I talk to you about something. I think um, I I don't know Neil. I've uh, this is all part of to my growth. Um, you know, you can't really focus on the outcome, and I think I've learned to go back even to those ideas that didn't generate the result I had anticipated or expected, or that fell short, to see you know where in the process did I uh, does where does the process maybe need improvement or where was there change warranted? And in many cases, um, I've started to become much more settled and to know that really um, there are many variables. And sometimes 
there's a failure of imagination, <laughs> things you couldn't have anticipated. And boy, this year is certainly uh, just chock full <laughs> of them. Yeah. Well, I but think about Asymmetrix, even when you made a good decision, for some reason it wasn't recognized by the market, right? Right. Correct. Correct. Or sometimes they come right. late, you know. Uh, just, uh, yeah, being being right and early is sometimes indistinguishable <laughs> from being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, as somebody else but, said to me, to be right and not make any money is the worst. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's uh, painful, but again, I get a sense of it, it's not calm, but a sort of yeah. warm satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah, even making the decision and knowing it uh, it was the right decision, even if other variables um, change the outcome. I, I'm I'm as you as you talk about it, I'm thinking about how how this applies to folks who are trying to make better decisions for themselves, right? How, mm. What 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 nutrition uh, they should follow, and um, how much sleep they need to get, and um, when, when you're in a process of discovery of, um, investment or even in investment of your time or your discovery of, of the self there, I, I love that. If you're, if you're too excited, you may be, you may be feeding yourself a line. You may be telling yourself a story that that's actually, that's not actually true. Right. Like, um, yeah. I kind of feel like the only things you should be excited about are, are deep relationships, your, your best friends, the people you love, mm. your family. Um, yeah, I try not to get too high or too low, though I like to laugh a lot and enjoy myself. Yeah. You know, that it's funny. We, we, I just did a recorded a podcast uh, episode a while ago uh, with uh, Dr. Ted Achikoso, who is – he is one of the highest IQ doctors in the world. He's uh, he invents nootropics and he he runs um, um, health um, health optimization um, businesses where he he trains doctors. And what he said he said his goal is not he he doesn't like the highs. He doesn't like the lows. What he aims to be is minimally perturbable. <laughs> I thought minimally perturbable and i thought that's actually i mean that's that's sort of a that's sort of a zen way to think about your life is to not not get hung up on the highs or the lows but just to be in this in this in this set in the steady state and it, and it connects to what you guys have just said yeah, i think chris probably feels that better than me i um I, I get afraid of the highs or the lows now afraid see them too high too low yep uh, I, I see them. I'm like, oh, this can't be good, right? Um, versus just you know enjoying the ride. Sometimes, mm -hmm. for for guys like you who are um, at the cutting edge of so many different things and and in, in charge at the helm of of big big deals, um, I, I'm curious about how you deal with stress. Uh, we all need healthy coping mechanisms and obviously we've covered meditation, but I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, Neil, you mentioned Chris's walks. What else, how do you guys manage, uh, the level of stress that comes along with, um, managing, you know, multi-million, multi-multi-million dollar, um, uh, opportunities like uh, let's let's maybe start with you Neil like how, what's what is what, how this is very funny guys? it's a little bit of a gift from Chris and my wife um, I've been debating for years about whether I should get a dog um, and Chris said uh, that he'd heard a, a famous monk say you know any any ability to practice love is a good thing and that was literally all it took finally for me to say yes I'll go get a dog <laughs> so I think playing with my pup is some of the easiest one um, for me, um, meditation, um, just remembering to set a ring aside and sit with my wife is probably the easiest one um, after uh, my pup. Just like, hey, just take dinner and set a ring aside and just like focus on tasting the food even deeper, taking a long time, focus on feeling my hand and arm move to eat getting as mindful as I can on all of the surroundings, seeing her smile, um, tasting the tomato or whatever is in whatever she's cooked or I've cooked or we're eating, 
that seems to be some of the e easiest one for me as well. Super mindfulness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Chris? I um, have several practices I've incorporated into my day. One is uh, whenever I hear the sound of a bell or a chime, I come back to my breathing. So it's a form of a mini meditation. Um, so, you know, if I hear a bell, I'm near a church tower, and that bell rings um, to celebrate the beginning of a mass or on the hour. And I'll use that to just pause, come back to my breathing, come back to myself. Um, because I think we're often not aware of how much energy we spend in thought. Um, and sometimes, of course, lost in thought. Not all that thought is productive. Um, and I also practice yoga. So the, the yoga practice um, is an extension of my meditation. Um, you know, in, in meditation, you can, with a bit of deep looking, really find those places where you're holding tension in your body. And finding that release is tremendously rejuvenating. Um, and yoga is that path. Uh, many people like to run. Um, the walks help. So all kinds of uh, physical activity can fall into that sort of meditative sphere um, and uh, a way to release that tension that we all carry just in the act of living. Um, and of course, as Neil mentioned, I have two dogs and a cat <laughs> and a wonderful family. And when I'm in the presence of others, including the animals that are part of my family, I try to truly be present. And I even engage in a little bit of playfulness. Um, I like what you were talking about, Neil, to try to really taste the tomato. You know, I, uh, of course, diet's very important. I eat a lot of vegetables and I'm always trying to taste them raw if they're not going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, uh, um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I want to really taste the rain in the lettuce. I want to see if I can um, taste the essence of, of what I'm eating. Um, and all of those things just tend to slow down my thinking, make me more present uh, and in touch with my mind, body, and bring all those things together. Um, I find that to be tremendously refreshing. In my younger days, um, Sean, I used to work um, extraordinary amount of hours and of course, I suffered like many from burnout, um, fatigue, um, periodic illnesses, colds, fevers. Can't relate, um, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's thankfully in the last 15 to 20 years that's been uh, absent in my routine. <laughs> I think I've replaced it with a much healthier um, and more balanced approach. And um, yeah, it's, it's just been great. That that uh, I try to taste the rain in the lettuce is like, man, that is, that's a tweet, man. That's an award winning. That's tweet sweet. Right <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's the first thing you thought, right, Chris? I should tweet that out. Yeah. Should that's that's tweetable. That is so tweetable. Um. Well, okay, so when I think about. When I think about because the way that, the way that you guys are describing your your process, um, how you perform, how you how you how you be, um, how do you how do you keep an edge? How, how how what is your way to distinguish yourself from either people that you're competing against, um, or even just um, to to improve upon uh, earlier iterations of of, of yourself. We all have we you know nootropics or or sleep or whatever. But I'm curious about like okay, well then what's what's the secret sauce? Like wh what is what is the thing that really kind of distinguishes distinguishes you? Like what what's your what's your what's your edge? Do you have one? Either of you, <laughs> Chris? Let's hear yours first. Um, I don't know. I uh. About my edge, I think just the way 
um, that I approach my day and my work gives me an advantage. I think the awareness I have and am able to cultivate throughout the day and when I'm engaged in the process of making a decision or thinking about an investment or researching a position um, gives me an advantage. And again, um, I'm really just comparing uh, myself to right. my younger <laughs> self. Like, when you know, I was looking for the excitement, I felt like I was chasing something. I'm uh, just now much more settled. And I think I'm able to appreciate um, the real value of the information that I come across um, much more deeply. I think that's a true advantage. Uh, I'm able to discard things that don't matter more quickly, um, able to focus on things that have greater relevance. As Neil mentioned earlier, some of that's pattern recognition, but clearly knowing um, and recognizing those patterns and making sure that, uh, again, I'm not overlooking We're bringing anything. beginner's eyes to uh, those things. That's one thing I think you do really yeah. well. Thank you, Neil. And just, uh, it comes from being settled more than anything. I think mine's different than Chris's, even though it probably shows up similarly, is um, I have massive curiosity um, and massive drive and desire um, to to achieve success with whatever I'm touching. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'll try not to wake up in the middle of the night to go check on something, but I've definitely been known to, you know, stock some diligence folders at two, three in the morning when a, a thought strikes me um, or to just send an email out saying, hey, we got to check this on them in the morning. Um, I, I think for me, I enjoy putting the puzzle together and seeing how it's going to go together. And like, you know, occasionally I, I hear these words failure or quitting or whatever, and we, we had a really good discussion about them on, on one of our previous podcast on our last podcast, actually. And I kind of think as, you know, the only time you can really lose is, is when you're done. And so you kind of should never really be done. Um, and so when you're asking me about like the good feeling when I make an investment, yeah, I feel good, but I kind of have never really done right. Looking at it, it didn't stop. I'm looking for reasons to say no or to say yes, even, um, even though I've agreed and I'm moving forward. Um, and I enjoy that process. That part, that process is, is really quite fun for me. And then to see it from um, the amalgamation of lots of different minds at Zoic, um, we all look at things very differently. Um, we, you know, we've got a, a base set of rules of what we're looking for, and we have some, some great shared instincts. But um, once I maybe feel settled in my opinion, um, I, my, you know, uh, that curiosity of mine kicks in to then go learn more about the science than I already knew or to go learn more about the public markets than, you know, I, I don't know much about the public markets comparative to lots of people, especially when I'm sitting next to Chris um, and how they'll react to some of these things. And so seeing that frame of thinking from other folks is something that, you know, I, I continuously still do even on the investments we have and that I feel good about. I'm still analyzing them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that level of engagement is, um, is a is big. I mean, if you're, if you're engaged in your life, if you're engaged in what you're doing and, and not everybody has the, uh, has crafted their life. And I was going to say the, the, the fortune to, to, to be able to make their job, their, 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 their purpose, their mission, right? Um, not everybody has, has, has crafted that for themselves. Um, and stuff happens and maybe you're still in pursuant to that, but that level of engagement is everything, right? How engaged are you in your life? How engaged are you in your fitness and your, your decision-making? And I think that that's really what I've taken away from both of those answers is just a level, a level of engagement. And, 
and for for you, Neil, to be um, just just insatiable curiosity. Um, that's that's an expression of that engagement. And and for you, Chris, the level of engagement is 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 a is a calm, consistent, like really really dialed in focus into the projects that you're into. Um, I want to make the connection between um, an episode that we recently released uh, with Stephen C. Hayes, who is a professor at Nevada uh, University of Nevada, and um, he talks about he's he's basically one of the one of the founders uh, and co-creators of uh, ACT, uh, which is a, a psychological paradigm, which is acceptance and commitment. And, and it's really popular. It's popular in sports. It's popular in investment and it's in, in academia. And basically it's, it's acceptance and commitment. So how quickly can you identify, uh, the things that you don't need, um, and then let them go so that you can continue to move forward and focus on the stuff that doesn't matter. And we talked about how writing down, um, the icky feelings that you're having, just acknowledging them and just kind of sticking them in your back pocket, not, not running away from them, but just acknowledging that, that there is distraction or that there are red flags or whatever, but just acknowledging them. Um, and then committing to the, to the process of moving forward. I just, I saw, I saw that connection between, between Chris's answer. I just thought that was kind of cool. Well, and I, I think something I'm sure Chris does as well is even when I've made a good investment, um, there are a lot of factors uh, well beyond things that I could, you know, we we have an easy set of 19 filters <laughs> to start with of, of things that fit into our framework that we'd, we'd look at investing in, right? Um, and, and then it goes way beyond that. Um, but even when we made all those decisions right and it's going well, I'm still trying to look at what we missed and what I wouldn't do again in spite of it going right. And I, I, I suspect, Chris, that that's similar for you. Even when you've made money on a trade, you're still saying, hi, I missed that piece of data or, you know, I hadn't considered this other part of that. And so while well, this worked out well, I want to make sure I, I, I'm more mindful the next time I'm presented with a similar situation. I try to approach it as if it uh, is the first time I'm considering making that investment. Would I still make this decision today to own this company or own this investment? Um, and it makes it easy because I've done a lot of work already <laughs> but to see if I'm able to confirm my thesis or if there were things that I needed to amend or adjust. Yeah. 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 There's always, there's always nuggets of wisdom. Even in, even, even if it's gone really well, there, there's still things you could have improved upon, you know, even, even in some of the, some of the soft skills around relationships or communication, like how could that have gone better? How could, how could we have um, improved on that? Even that success, how could that have gone a little bit better? I like that a lot. It's just, it's just not, uh, it's not pretending like you know everything, which which is such a popular thing these days, just to pretend like you just have all the answers all the time. It's very right? funny. Both of us do not feel like we know much at all. <laughs> 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 a big basis of conversation is uh, saying we don't really know. Let's educate. Let's learn more. Um, kind of in mo both of our days, that's very common. E even when we can play the expert, even when we're the expert in the room, we're still starting with I don't really know. Let's let's look again. That's that's really common, right? It's it's common for for really high level sort of elite level performance uh, people to to start with. Well, I don't know. You know, there's nothing there's nothing quite as powerful as. Let me get back to you on that, right? Right, right, right. Well, that's the. I think that's where you leave room for growth. Once you think you know something, you're of course closed off from a lot of new information and certainly contrary information, the most valuable kind. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that, that I continue to, to address with, uh, within this podcast is, you know, you can have all the data you can, you can do HRV and you can be wearing an aura ring and a whoop strap and you can have all of these devices, <laughs> right? 
Cool. So you took 8,000 steps today. Great. You can, you can, you can quantify just so many variables, but, but how do you feel? Right? How do you how do you feel on the inside? Did, are, are you are you having any fun? Do you have any love in your life? Right? Like, mm-hmm. even though you have all this data, and you're you know you're making smart nutritional choices and smart exercise choices, and your sleep is dialed, but like, are you having any fun? Are you having a good time? Is it okay? Is it are you still are you still trying to learn in other ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a that's a great point, John. Uh, I guess. Uh, do I? I'm trying. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think it's really a critical point, you know. Um, can you learn to love the process itself and and make it fun, right? And really, um, in that way, it's easy to give yourself over to it. Hmm. Yeah, right. Totally, totally right. Yeah, then you can then you can you can enter the stream, you can be a part of it. Well, mm-hmm. your, your a pers- lot of yeah. our podcast um, or a lot of the conversation Chris and I have um, in, in, in a given dinner, we'll call it two hours, there's a fair amount of laughter. It's because we're both looking to have a good time. There's also a fair amount of very serious conversation. Um, mm-hmm. How can I be better at this? Which is always a strange question. Um, but just mm-hmm. trying to add reflection to it too. And I think one of the reasons we have so much fun on our podcast as well, or just as friends or, you know, all of the other connections we have is just because that is how we're both wired is to have deep reflection followed by deep laughter, followed by, you know, mm. rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the good, that's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. Uh, I, as I, as I continue to, to kind of understand how you guys think, and again, this is, this is different. This is, this is philosophical. And, and I love this, this conversation we're having, and I really appreciate it. I'm grateful to you guys for, for jumping on with me today. Uh, I'd love to know, um, what thinkers do you guys look up to? Are there, are there classical thinkers? Are there, you know, philosophical masters that you really follow? Uh, are there, are there living legends that, that you, that you really pay attention to? Because I think that we could all benefit from learning where you guys learn. So, uh, maybe Neil, can you start and sort of tell us who you really look up to and, and whose sort of thoughts do you, do you really, uh, hold in high regard? So, I, I mean, it'll sound a little strange in some way. I, I, I appreciate a lot of Buddhist philosophy. Uh, I appreciate a fair amount of Hindu philosophy. Sometimes it's a little harder to understand you know, what a holy book is trying to tell you. Um, I, I appreciate um, most investors I encounter because um, they're, they're trying to be thoughtful or, or are and are sharing something. Um, you know, I try not to get, while I appreciate lots of the way lots of people think, you know, and, and Chris in particular, I, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from how he thinks or uh, as um Sean, you've met my friend Roger, and we keep mentioning him. You know, I appreciate his his thought process a lot. I try not to get too lost in thinking about how other people think. Um, I appreciate the frameworks that they can teach me, uh, but I want to make sure that I think my thinking is self-consistent. And that I'm not reacting too much. And at some point, hopefully, I've learned the lessons that they're trying to share with me that were hard-fought and won. Um, internally. <laughs> right. So yeah. like the greatest thinker I know might be my dog Zen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, Neil, if you are able to take insult or, or being ignored, if you're able to uh, suffer indignities in being locked out of the house, and still come back with love and wag your tail, you might be a dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's really the, they're the best. They're the best. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What about you, Chris? Who, who do, who's thinking um, do you really respect? I am, uh, I feel very lucky that I found the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh, the great, uh, Vietnamese and Buddhist monk. Um, some of the practices I outlined earlier, 
that have become part of my daily routine. Um, I've adopted from the Plum Village uh, um, monastery that he founded in France. Um, and those practices of listening to the bell, coming back to the breathing, um, the, the deep uh, relaxation and meditation techniques that he famously teaches, um, and just the clarity of his thought and understanding and the depth of his compassion um, resonate with me every day. Hmm. Um, I think um, really trying to approach everything with the mind of love, um, which is truly unlimited um, in the Buddhist context, uh, is something I think about every day. How can I strengthen that muscle? Um, and it really is, uh, love and understanding are deeply intertwined. So if I can really deepen my understanding of any issue, um, I feel like I'm expanding my capacity to love. I, um, of course, um, like a lot of philosophical writings, <laughs> I am um, interested in uh, a lot of Buddhist thought. Um, from the writings of Jack Kornfield and Gil Fronsdale, um, as I mentioned, Thich Nhat Hanh, um, but even the writings of uh, Dr. King, Martin Luther King, um, all of those things are really uh, part of me. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. And in, uh, in, in the investment world or whatever the profession is that you find yourself in, I think you can find those uh, types of teachers who resonate with you. I think one of the reasons Warren Buffett is so popular um, is because uh, he speaks with that kind of simple wisdom and, uh, and understanding. And he takes complex ideas and makes them simple. His teacher, Ben Graham, also did that very well. Um, so in the, in the business world, of course, those are two great luminaries. Charlie Munger does the same thing. Um, <laughs> a little more subversively, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, those are those are, are really great thinkers uh, that I uh, admire. Yeah, that's that's really that's great. You know, I um, I'm I'm struck by that. You know, as a, I'm a fan of uh, I'm a fan of Tim Ferriss, and uh, and obviously he's he's had a lot of successes in investing, and he's had a lot of you know high level investors on his podcast, and and, and exploring the philosophy and the frameworks and the, the inspirations uh, from certain figures. You know, some of those same names kind of come up, mm -hmm. and. Uh, to me, it's important that we understand these frameworks with investing and, and we understand these processes of, of how to make smart choices for ourselves, for our money, for our family. Mm -hmm. So because that, that really high level, high stakes thinking, um, it really does bleed into all the different areas of our life. There's so many correlations between um, thinking in an analytical way uh, about about investing money, but also in, in how you're living your life. You know, the, the, the Charlie Munger and Thich Nhat Hanh, right? Like those right, are, right. <laughs> right. You, you may not think that those are similar or related mm -hmm. or complementary, but they really are. Mm -hmm. Or Charles Darwin, another person who I really admire. Um, you know, he had this beautiful way of putting forth the counter arguments to his position first. So mm -hmm. he would lead with what's wrong with this idea, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. and really kind of shoot it down himself before he presented what is his original thinking and his um, support for the idea he is presenting. So it's a, a kind of great way to think. I like um, that. Yeah. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh has this great saying. He says, um, we have the illusion of a separate self, the illusion of uh, being alone in the world because we cut the umbilical cord. Hmm. And he says, you know, um, many other living creatures, especially the trees, etc., don't suffer from that illusion. So, um, <laughs> it, wow. it was 
cleanly as possible if you think of that kind of interrelationship if you had never cut the umbilical cord um it's kind of like uh the web of indra right neil i i mean you're gonna gonna teach me about being a better hindu right now so yeah the web of indra is this beautiful image of the interrelated web that we all are enmeshed in and there's a uh there are artist recreations of this idea and in this kind of like a big spider web in each node is like a dewdrop or a gem that shines and that's each person uh and again that kind of interconnection that we all share even if it's not readily visible to us if we just reflect a little more deeply we can see that interconnection and if we reflect even deeper than that we can feel it Hmm. It's very real. It's very oh, real. It is. It is indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this conversation has been an example of that mm-hmm. for for sure. Oh wow. Well, <laughs> again, I, 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 I consistently I'm I'm struck by the guests that I have. Uh, I have this unique opportunity in um, to 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 connect with people who I respect and appreciate. I look up to, I'm inspired by, and sometimes I, I, I just need to like grok, grok a thing for a moment. Like I don't, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have a catchy next question. I'm still like (laughs) groking what you just said. Um, so I, I just want to say thank you guys again for, for coming on the optimal performance podcast. And, and, um, before, you know, typically this would be like, okay, well this, what's, what's the promo code associated with your product or understanding. Right. Yeah. That is, that's the promo code. Everybody go ahead and go to, uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, use use the promo code and, and uh, get fifteen percent off. Love and understanding. Um, you know, I would I would invite people to 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 find you guys. But again, like you're you're not uh, you're not selling workout equipment or or nootropics. So you know we're, we're going to bypass bypass. Yeah, but you can that. follow us both uh, on LinkedIn. I mean, we're pretty easy to find. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Let's let, yeah. let I, I will put those in the show notes. Um, um, Neil Modi is N E A L M O D Y, and Chris Heidel is Chris H A Y D E L. These these guys are these guys are 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 titans and Zen titans um, uh, at the same time. And, and again, I have so much respect for you guys. You know, w- you should listen to their podcast. It is phenomenal. I mean, it is, it is a, it is so entertaining. It is so insightful. If you have an, if you have a, a, an interest in, in investment, in, um, in, in business, you should go listen to it because the, the guests that they have are really great. And you guys are all obviously a ton of fun. Um, I have a hold last on, question, on, which is on. a film. And, and yeah, we learned yeah, yeah. today, you and I, Sean, that Chris has 32 teeth. And so extra four teeth really truly lead to that extra wisdom we're going to try and share with you on that podcast. I only have 28 um, or I have a cap tooth. So maybe I have 27 and a half. Um, So, you know, thank God for the, the average is going up to do to Chris. Please join us. He's retaining his his energy and his power. And his, uh, <laughs> he, he, he just, That's my secret weapon. Yeah, you guys are giving it away. Your, your, your piezo electricity coming through your teeth, just okay. vibrating at a higher level. Sorry, uh, one last question, my, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it's fill in the blank question, and um, this can be based. You know, this was a this was a, a very broad conversation, um, anyway, and so we're sort of set up for um, a smooth transition into this fill in the blank question. You can take us. This can be based on anything that you've known, anything that you that you have experienced or that you want to share. Uh, fill in the blank. You can take as long as you'd like. Um, uh, Neil, we're st- we'll start with you, and then um, and then I'll pose the same question to you, Chris. Please fill in the blank, Neil. Everyone would benefit from knowing themselves. Hmm. Indeed, Chris. Everyone would benefit from knowing Neil. <laughs> <laughs> It, 
Thank you, Chris. <laughs> you really, uh, you really answer that well, Neil. I mean, that is. Uh, um. Yeah, everyone would benefit from knowing the. Well, Neil said it themselves, the healing and nourishing elements that are within us all. Hmm. Well said. Well said. Say, you know, here, here. actually, I want to add what Christine Jones just kind of reminded us of on this last episode, too, or second to last episode. It's like we all have the real power within ourselves to, you know, kind of heal ourselves, you know, or or to manifest the life we want or to create whatever it is we're looking for, or to build whatever it is we're thinking about, um, whether that's physically or internally or emotionally, um, we're all capable. Hmm. Absolutely. Go out and do it. Go out and be it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Neil Modi, Chris Haydell, thank you so much for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Sean, it's been a great pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks Thank you, for Sean. having us. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of Market Meditations with Chris Heidel and myself, Neil Modi. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we encourage you to send questions and comments and just thoughts in general about this episode, questions for the people we had on the episode and in general. Uh, we hope that uh, you continue to ride along with us and If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us five stars on the platform you found us on. Talk to you soon.